Project. Welcome to the Refuge Project. The Refuge Project is a place that we can have meaningful conversation in a safe place. We are your hosts. I am Pastor David. We got James. Hey, hey. We got Pastor Caesar. Hello. And Happy New Year's. This Happy is the first New one in 2022. Year. It doesn't feel like New Year for me. I no. was all I was all sick during New yeah, Year stuff, so I yeah. just sat around at home. Well, we took the one we took the one week off, and um, and then you got sick, so we kind of mm-hmm. took the second week off, and uh, so here we are. Yeah, second week in January, and 2022 feels like it's already been a year. You know what I mean? It's it, I don't know. For me, it just it just seems like it's been long already. I feel like I'm still in 21. Is what I'm saying. Like, yeah, I mean, like somebody <laughs> told me the other day that uh, Biden's only been in office for one year. I'm just like, shut up! It's like he's, it's almost over. It's been four years, right? It feels shut like <laughs> it feels like he's been there forever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know so, politics. What did y'all do for New Year's? Nothing. That's what I'm saying. Oh yeah, you was. You was <laughs> I was okay, but I was like still on the end of it, so yeah. I, I didn't go anywhere, do anything, which is pretty boring. Then Tara. Yeah. She got it right Same. after you? Yeah, I got it. And then, like... You gave it to her? Yeah. Oh, I gave it to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not what we're going to talk about today. Damn. <laughs> what are you guys talking about? I'm talking about... Uh, where did you get it? Uh, I don't know. Oh, uh, It was probably from my mom, okay. probably. Yeah, yeah. She it's the only time. thing that makes sense. Yeah. It, which is funny, because it was like a whole thing with the family, because she got sick, and uh, then she... It was like a few days. It was like a couple days after she was better. Quote. I did the little quotes. Um, <laughs> and uh, we were, we were supposed to go over for Christmas or whatever. And it was like a whole thing because they were like, "No, we shouldn't go." Or should we go? And, and so anyway, I went. It was like whatever. And uh, then I was sick a few days later. So same yeah. thing. The same thing happened to us from man. my mom. My parents were exposed to it. A couple family members were sick. We were like, I don't know with this. Andrew Kahn or whatever this thing is, <laughs> um, whatever the, the uh, and we just like okay, let's just cancel Christmas, and then we didn't do Christmas until like a week and a half later, and all yeah. that good stuff. Yeah, they postponed ours, but then uh, then I missed like the big family get together because then I was sick. You, <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, your family was sick for like a good month, man. Yeah, like we had all, like a so different, many members. Yeah, it was, you know, different times. But yeah, we went to the country. We just got away and. You went out of the country? No, no, no. Oh, to the country. To the country. It's kind of the same thing, though, right? It's a different world for me, absolutely. (laughs) I'm a a little Mexican boy that that grew up around Telephone and Griggs, you know? So whenever (laughs) whenever I'm around uh, any kind of country life at all, it might as well be on Mars. But, but yeah, no, it was good. We went out there and popped some fireworks, Mm -hmm. ate some s'mores, and, yeah, fell asleep. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I we had a good time, you know, with just a couple of the kids hanging out for New Year's and pops and fireworks. Mm-hmm. Now we did something interesting. We uh, toasted the New Year in at ten o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, we're just like yeah, hey, sure with it. It's uh, it's you know, New Year somewhere. That's know? true. So we toasted it in. We went home, and I think we're in bed. Um, before New Year's, we woke up to all the ruckus outside. Mm-hmm. Be like, okay, Happy New Year's. Kissed the wife, rolled back over, went back to bed. I mm-hmm. messed up because I was trying to fall asleep at like eleven fifty. Oh, yeah, which, which is not good because that means you're starting to fall asleep like right as everything. And you're a grump. 
I'm, I get grumpy, man. But I knew it was coming, so it was all right. And it wasn't like three in the morning you woke me up. It was, you know, I hadn't quite fallen asleep yet, which yeah. is a different grump level. Yeah, so, and you aren't even supposed to pop fireworks over there, right? I think technically no, like if you look it up online, but everybody does in that neighborhood. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Over here is just like. Like a world war, yeah. world war. But y'all are like kind of out here, yeah. Right, like you can technically do it. Yeah, we can do it out here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're right here in the county, which is kind of surprising. Chambers County, because your houses are like a normal, yeah. Well, not totally normal, but a lot of them are like totally <laughs> yeah. close together. It's not like yeah, yeah. It's know. crazy. I guess because the house is a little bit bigger, but these are quarter acre lots. Yeah, so they're bigger lots. Uh-huh. But I guess just they're but they're bigger houses, bigger and like houses. the streets still aren't. It's not like there's. A ton of space yeah, right. between the houses. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite firework memories were back whenever uh, my uncle he lived in Katy. We went to go. We went to go pop some fireworks there, and it, he kind of lived in like a cul-de-sac kind of area. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got some bottle rockets. Oh yeah. And my uncle turned one on, and uh, George, if you know him, mm-hmm. right? He turned on a bottle rocket. He turned it on like flipped the switch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, that thing just went right across the street and hit the neighbors, oh, <laughs> hit yeah. the neighbors a roof, and the roof caught on fire. Oh my goodness! Yeah, the neighbors' roof got on fire. They were able to jump up there and get it, you know, turned off before it became really bad. But yeah, flip the switch off. <laughs> yeah, yeah he but just he turned it back on. <laughs> he set the neighbor's house on fire. Wow. Yeah. We kind of we was over at Adams and uh, he lit one, and about the time the neighbor across the street like came outside to see what was going on, mm-hmm. this sucker shot straight at her. I'm just like, oh, sorry. And yeah. she would just like hurry up and shut the door. So she, <laughs> oh, oh, she didn't little, come back out. Uh, funny story about New Year's whenever we were popping fireworks and all that. So uh, your cousin, Austin, was mm-hmm. up there uh, as well with his family. Uh, his and, natural habitat. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And he uh, they, they came and rang in the New Year with us. And uh, he bought a uh, baby shark um, firework thing. Right, one of the multi-shot boxes yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever mm-hmm. uh, for my for my son. So uh, you know, you know, you think baby shark, and you know, it's, it's going to be a little wimpy thing. No, no, it's going to be good. Man, baby shark, he yeah. showed up. Oh yeah, he showed out. It was <laughs> yeah, Papa Shark. Man, it was one of the most beautiful fireworks I've ever seen. <laughs> it just it just went on and on and yeah. on. It was it was it was scary. Those so, ones are cool, but I find them they're cool to have like one. But I like that act of like lighting the firework so if you yeah. spend all your money on the big ones like they're cool but then you spend most of your time just kind of sitting there like oh yeah, yeah that's the it. last one you get that 50 yeah, yeah. shot last i want to spend all the time like yeah. lighting Boosh. the bottle rockets and yeah, yeah. fun Give fact one. fun yeah. fact about baby shark the girl that sang baby shark i think mm-hmm. she only got paid 10 bucks for it really it was either ten or a hundred, but let's go with ten for dramatic effect. Well, okay. even at a hundred, it's still dramatic effect because that, like that was like American Idol or something, right? No, that's, <laughs> that was World Idol. I mean, yeah. that, that song has isn't like that what Kelly Clarkson sung and, to win? Yeah, I mean they didn't get nothing. <laughs> they get nothing on those first like three albums. Mm-hmm. So, but, but she did all right afterwards. Yeah, she's doing okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess so. even after depends album on what you mean by okay. Yeah, spiritually, but financially, she's yeah, okay. Financially, she's she's on yeah. the up and up. So y'all had some like bottle rocket wars or something like that up there. Mm-hmm. No, because then you know we got a young impressionable son right now, so we we just want to spare him more reason to oh, do it. Yeah, you got to start him early, bro. <laughs> just let him know he's gonna have kids shoot bottle rockets at him at some point. He needs to know what to do. You call yourself a good dad? Yeah. Shoot bottle rockets at him, <laughs> boy! I give you a three second head start yeah. <laughs> before I turn this on. Yeah, yeah well, those are fun. With the what is it, a Roman? Candle fights, yeah, candles. Candles, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Those are better than bottle rockets because you normally won't 
shoot a eye out. My dad had a friend. He was uh, he was shooting. They were doing the same thing. He wanted to impress this girl. My, not my dad, but his friend. And he put it in his mouth and lit it. It went backfired <laughs> and shot the Roman candles down his throat. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant the bottle rocket. No, no. So I was picturing it just lighting, just (laughs) just the flame. It's like a roadrunner cartoon. (laughs) We're laughing at a guy's misfortune. That's right. (laughs) Like, oh, when it's funny, it's funny. His throat burned. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, let's uh, jump right into culture. Culture corner. New for 2022. <laughs> 22. All right, I'm gonna bring uh, Culture Corner in 2022. Um, oh, before you start it, I'm pretty sure I saw the headline for what you're gonna say. So let's yeah, see if it's right. And uh, th- this might be the time that you just turn it off if you have any kids in the car. Yeah, just wait. Yeah, there's a TikToker that made two hundred thousand dollars for selling. Yep. You know it, farts. Ah, I saw, I saw that headline. Yeah, farts in a jar. Uh, after her fans were asking her if she would do it, she decided that she would go ahead and give it a try. Her first batch she was selling for five hundred dollars a jar. Five hundred dollars a jar. Um, and then the requests kept coming in. So she, you know, like any businesswoman would do. She's like, if they want them that bad, I'm going to start charging $1,000 a jar. Supply and demand, homie. Supply and demand. And she was getting so many orders in, she started drinking, like, protein shakes and beans and stuff like that to, you know, really Uh just go ahead and produce these orders that were coming in. (laughs) Produce the orders. And um, so uh, she started having some issues. And uh, so she she went to the doctor, and the doctor said that she was physically harming herself by eating those type of foods, and he recommended her to lay off the farts. (laughs) So she said she had to rethink her business plan. Yep. (laughs) Can you imagine going to your doctor, and he's just like, stop farting. Stop it. Stop. That's it. Stop. That's your yeah. prescription. I read that article, and and, uh, and she said that she didn't tell her doctor what she was doing. <laughs> like she didn't say what what she why she was uh, producing so much. No, yeah, yeah, no, she, yeah. she didn't say why. Um, but they asked one of the guys, like, you know, what's going on with you? She was like, oh, I just really love her, and I just want to be as close to her and smell her any way I can, even her farts. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so did she stop? I hope so. Yeah, she stopped. She's uh, re- rethinking her business plan right now. Did, did it say how long she she uh, was in business for? Uh, $200,000 worth. Oh, $200. Okay. So, and she was selling a 1000 a jar? A 1000 a jar. The second batch. The second batch. Okay, no. We're just going to leave the story like that. No. Let's not, let's not dig it in. No, it's just like... You know, imagine uh, how would you order this thing? Like, like, you know what I mean? There's like, no way it works. There's no way you can capture it. There's I don't no know. way. What's the filling system? The feeling? Filling? Filling? Oh, filling! Yeah, I mean, you, I mean, I worked in cover. bottling for 15 years. <laughs> yeah, there's no way you're gonna catch that. No way. I don't know. Does she have repeat customers? I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, this one guy bought two jars. 
But did he buy them back to back, or did he buy them like at the same time? Um, I think he bought them at the same time. He bought yeah. them when they were on sale for five hundred, so he bought yeah, he's two jars for five hundred. He's a Mo- he's Mo- shopping deal. smart right there. <laughs> shopping fart. <laughs> But like you know, imagine like you know, because that was just in time for uh, Christmas. You know, like, hey, imagine one of those. Like, like a, talking like, about dad, bad dad gifts. Yeah, they're like, or like a, I don't know, like a wife that's struggling to keep her husband's interest or something like that. You know that TikToker you like? Well, I bought you something, honey. Oh my gosh! Yeah, people. No, are you just, that's that's when you do it yourself and save the money. You know, and just part in your own jar. <laughs> you right? I mean, like if, if I was her to reevaluate her, her uh, business plan, right? You just go get you know a few people for you and just line them up with jars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, um, but I guess she wanted to have some kind of business integrity. <laughs> Or you start selling them for five thousand, ten thousand. So I was thinking, you sell about like this. way less jars, Inflation. but you know, yeah, just supply and demand. So I was thinking about this, you know, because she was only one of these OnlyFans type deals or whatever. I'm not for mm-hmm. sure which one she was on, um, but these people are living in this like crazy fake world, mm-hmm. you know, uh, wanting this lady's flacuants, flac- flac- flat. Flat? Flatulence. 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 Yeah, we got um, words. So I was, <laughs> you know, words, y'all. So I was just thinking, my my kids got the Oculus for Christmas. I bought one too. Yeah, yeah. And um, I was listening to this comedian the other day. Um, I think his name was Michael Redband, and he was talking about since COVID and stuff mm-hmm. that they have this world that they go to. Them and yeah. all their buddies. Mm-hmm. Put on the goggles and they're all hanging out at the bar, yeah. mm-hmm. drinking, smoking. But all, it's VR, yeah, through VR. They said the, and his, he said you know his girlfriend comes in, they'll hang out together, and um, they had a surprise birthday present, you know, party for her in in the bar, <laughs> in the, the virtual reality, in the virtual world. world. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, there it, it, in it, the metaverse, but yeah, it's kind of cool because you can get everybody cool. together. You can't get COVID. Can't get COVID. I guess. Yeah. I bet you they're going to start that, though. They're going to, like, put out little bugs and the little viruses. Viruses in oh, yeah. the metaverse, and, like, you start, like, oh, ticking man. or something. Yeah. I, I watched a. Uh, Glitching I, out. I, yeah. Who was it? It was, like, Wired or, or that. What's that one journal journalism uh, site? WSJ or something like that? Mm-hmm. Wall Street Journal. Yeah. Right? That uh, one of their uh, one of their journalists, uh, and you can look it up on YouTube. It's called, like, 24 Hours in the Metaverse. You know, and again, it just details a whole, a whole, or was it a whole week? No, it was 24 hours. So from start to finish, right, she try to fall asleep with them on and all that. But um, the even working, working, you can set up your own private lounge. Or it's, mm-hmm. it's a whole private lounge. And you can have screens, multiple screens, as big as you want, as big as your eyes, you know, your peripheral peripherals go. As mm-hmm. big as you want, so you can have your spreadsheets, your uh, email, your uh, Teams meetings, Zooms. You can have all of that stuff there, and you can manipulate it however way you want. You can draw in 3D. It's really gnarly. Yeah, it's super super crazy. Uh, one of the things because it's called well because of Facebook, it's called the Metaverse, right? They branded it, and what they were talking about is like the uh, the first one to get there is the one that gets to define what it is. So right now, uh, it's really in that kind of 
transformative place. Yeah. Right. And it's super cool. It's super mm-hmm. cool. I'm I haven't gamed in so long, and I don't use it for gaming. I watch Netflix on it. Right. You know, and and uh, some people would say, well, you know, I mean, why? Well, I mean, you got, you know, you have a a hundred and fifty foot screen in front of your eyes. That's pretty cool. It really does isolate everything out. Now, you know, whether or not that's the best thing to do, I don't know, but it's definitely an experience. I think it's. I mean, it's kind of cool. Um, you know, we watch the videos of all the people like jumping off cliffs and stuff like that. And they actually think they're doing it, um, but I don't know, man. I it makes my head hurt. I'm, I'm getting too old, old for metaverses. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I think it's really cool playing the games and stuff, but we have to interact with people. Like we need, we need to touch people and have relationships with people, not just this fake world. Yeah. Um, but some of it was really cool. Some of it, I mean, the graphics on it were so good. Yep. Um, just like the video games are getting now, you yeah. know, but this guy, he was, his was like, you know, real basic. He said that they didn't want to get into that whole, you know, that looks so real, but they just still wanted to be cartoonish and stuff. So they, yeah. I guess, get too too trapped up in it or something. Some of the tech guys are calling it the next phase of the internet, which yeah. I really do believe that. And VR is the next phase of the internet. Oh, for sure, for sure. We'll see what happens. We will see what happens. Pastor Caesar, what you got? Well, I got a sad story for you. Oh, you know. not another sad one. Yeah. For the... You know what? Get hit it again because it deserves to. There we go. So, uh, unfortunately, uh, this this came out on January third. Uh, one of the well, it's actually the largest. Or the fastest growing church in North America, their lead pastor resigned from his pastorate um, uh, because he was cheating on his wife. He had an affair. And uh, yeah, I believe it was in six years they were able to garner 12,000 members uh, of the church and how many countless, you know, thousands, maybe even millions worldwide with uh, that audience on, on the internet and stuff like that. But the, the church in question is, uh, is called Hope City here in Houston, Texas, and the lead pastor at that time was Pastor Jeremy Foster. And uh, if you've ever seen any of the content coming out of Hope City, you see that he's very charismatic. You can see why people are drawn to him. And, and just what they were doing for the city was amazing to see. Yeah. It was... Uh, or I guess it still is, but but as they have been coming up, I mean they've been they, landmark after landmark uh, every coming week. It seems you know they purchased some really uh, high priced property right in the uh, historical heights area yep. called the Silos. They purchased that for twenty million dollars. They contracted the uh, selling farts. Yeah, it's a lot of farts to sell. Um, and uh, they contracted the company that, that Lake would use to turn the, uh, what was it called before? The uh, Compact Center uh, into Lakewood Church. They they contracted that company to come in there and make that into a church. I'm, I'm sure that's still going to be in effect and all that. But, yeah, some sad news that came out in the beginning of the year. Their, uh, some of their board members came out with the video, and then they kind of explained in detail what was going on. And, uh, yeah, you know, on this podcast, podcast we've been talking a lot about um 
pastor's failings and their responsibilities to the church and and uh yeah i i uh i brought it up in sunday school this morning because we're you know we're doing a uh, a series on marriage it's a six-week series and um at, at the end of it we have videos and stuff but at the end of it uh there's some time to have a conversation about it and i and i I started out just by saying that you know it's important for us to to keep our marriages on high priority because it's I believe it's the most meaningful and impactful relationship that you can have outside of the one that you have with God and in that in in your marriage you you find out things about yourself God uses your marriage to grow you to to take things out of you to you know, to really to cultivate you right but whenever we get our eyes off the prize whenever we don't value our marriages even if it's just for a second the enemy can come in slip you know just slip right in and and he will unravel your world and I mean this guy this uh, this pastor Jeremy Foster he uh, he had so much uh potential to be the lead pastor for Hope City, and and he was doing a fantastic job, but it caught up to him. Yeah, there's his whole relationship with his wife has been uh, up and down. Uh, when they were, they almost got a divorce before. Uh, she was abusive to him. He was having to wear long sleeves to to church and different things like that to cover up bruises and and scrapes and different things like that. And uh, so it's just sad to see how God had really just um, restored the relationship, and then that this happens. You know, mm-hmm. um, the 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 first service that they had without him when they was introducing in the new pastors and the board, a couple of the board guys are uh, up there talking about it. Jeremy Foster's parents was a huge part of the the church, and they were there, and they were just thanking them for you know everything that they've done so far. Um, and the, it doesn't mean that the church is stopping. It doesn't mean that God is stopping the things that church was already doing, you no. know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounds like the uh, his parents are still going to be a big part of the church. Um, but just awkward, right? You Super know? awkward, especially because, you know, he's got he's got a few children that are, that are they work there. Yeah. You know, and, and that just, that completely changes the entire dynamic of it. And, you know, I made a comment in Sunday school that I, I really had to go back and qualify. But I, uh, you know, I said, um, um, I do believe in restoration. I do believe in forgiveness and all of that stuff for him, for his family, that, that they are refined through this process. Absolutely. But we are too quick to forgive. Too quick. And I'm not saying don't forgive. Yeah. Just don't be so quick to forgive, especially whenever you're looking at the responsibility of leadership. And 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 I had to bring in First Timothy talking about the responsibility of what a, what a pastor should be, what a pastor should do, his responsibility before God to a congregation. And even though forgiveness is still for people that mess up, and and you can have a difference of opinion with me. That's fine. But I I I don't believe that we need to forgive him so fast. In this sense, that we just kind of turn a blind eye to it and say it's okay. You can still be my pastor. I I personally believe that 
that's not right. He should have resigned, and he did. Yeah. He did resign. He did step down because of what that communicates. Uh, a, a pastor or anybody that's in that kind of role, they set themselves up as a moral and spiritual authority. And whenever that is violated, the credibility of that person is now is is to be judged. And and I mean, even the Bible talks about. It. He said, "How do you? How do you?" As in talking to men of God to pastors, say, "How are you going to lead a church if your home life is a mess?" Yeah, and nobody's going to listen to you. Mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't listen to somebody like that. So you're telling me what I need to do, but it's not reflected in your life. And uh, that's why the Christian world gets a bad rap, uh, hypocrites. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a real fine line between uh, forgiveness and forgetness. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We can we can forgive and we should forgive, but we don't need to forget it. You know, there's some things that have gone on in my life that I definitely for, forgave the people that done some things to me, but I ain't forgot it, man. Yeah. I'm not going to let the certain people into my life to do it again. Um, so... We gotta we gotta stay in guard, you know. Especially when you're talking about thousands and thousands of people, we have to remember those things that happened. We uh, we have responsibilities, especially boards, you know, his board and um, his the other pastors on staff. They have a responsibility to take care of the sheep, mm-hmm. and if they forget too fast, it'll happen again. Yeah, you know. Um, but he does he does need people in his life that can. Um, to help him up and dust him off and, and, and get him back where he needs to be uh, because he's definitely called um, oh, for sure. to do some great things. And, you know, it's one of those things that he, man, he could, he could preach. He was a decent looking, he's a good looking guy. He had money, the whole, everything that anybody ever wanted. And I uh, was watching the show called the rookie. And, um, there was this, the, the rookie cop. He was out there doing his thing, and this girl pulled up on him. And he, would, you know, she was started talking to him, and the sergeant came over to him and said, "Hey, just letting you know, she only dates cops, and she done dumped this guy, this guy, and this guy. You know, and there's a there was a word for him that you know they she's out there looking for cops, mm-hmm. and uh, we have to be careful with it as leaders because um, there's. There's people out there that are attracted to leaders, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't it doesn't matter. I started wearing a, a wedding ring. There's certain women that are attracted to wedding rings, you know, because they don't have to be. They know that there's there's a, a line that we have to draw that we can't get too committed to them, yeah. right? So they can do whatever they want to do. Yeah, it's like you're not you're not in it for love or any <coughs> any of that. It's right. just it's just the. Uh, well, today in that in that marriage study that we're doing, they were talking about the infatuation, and how uh, on how a neurologist says that it takes anywhere between twenty four months to thirty six months before the infatuation runs off, right? And that's what people call the puppy love stage, yeah. and you know, or the honeymoon stage. Mm-hmm. And then you have to then you're faced with the actual real person standing right in front of you, just yeah. because you've you, you've literally made a an idol out of the other person. That you, once the infatuation wears off, then then that's whenever your eye, your heart, you allow it to be deceived, and you want to look other places. That's why marriages tank and fail because of this this fiction that we want to follow, rather than 
looking at the person for for who they actually are and uh yeah and that's a really good study and then one of the things that was talking about is like you know what if god actually designed marriage uh uh for the purposes of holiness you know rather than just so you can satisfy your desires yeah you know so it's really good but but yeah it happens it happens to to everybody and whether you are a a pastor or you are not um you got to you got to be careful. Yeah. All of us, you know, we really have to be careful because uh, we're all in that group and it could happen to any of us. I believe the, it. The best of us. I, I believe us. it. My, my first pastor used to say, uh, he said, uh, he said, don't ever think you're <laughs> He didn't say that. <laughs> he said, don't ever think you're better than anybody else. Cause, Sorry. Because <laughs> men, men and women, you know, that, that uh, better than you and I have fallen. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, Way uglier guys than me have fallen, right? <laughs> Just some way uglier chicks than I have at the house. <laughs> All right, got a song for you guys. Andy Minio, Lecrae, been about it. Young man, get that what I came for. Cause I work hard, I got everything I prayed for. Money came fast, so now I take my day slow. Me and Craig, just like MJG and A-Ball. Talk that talk. I just bought the flowers on a weekday. Baby, why would I cheat? You my cheat day. You a treat. That's right. You a snack. Fighting with your jeans, cause you got it like that. Well, okay, tell me what y'all fake. Mad about the date. Now I'm great, cause I remember when I ain't have a way. On a date, only had enough to pay for matinee. Now I'm straight, every morning feeling like a Saturday. Well, um, they doing nothing, got a lot to say. How you never had COVID, you still got no taste. Talk, girl, I used to date. She pretend we was friends. She like, OMG, no, it's been a man. Tell me where you been, huh? Been about it. Hey. Back up off me, man, it's getting crowded. Hey, when I'm in Cali, got it in and out of Oh, lot of goofies in the spot, so I'm dipping out it. Adios. In the gym, getting brolic. Mm. At the party, won't bother anybody. Hey. Always kept it solid. You know I always kept it solid. Riding through the city in the place I dwell. We just two young fellas in the ATL. We don't. Never cause trouble when we out in the streets, but then... That's the sound of the police. I was shook. He was shook. But I kept it cool. Pulled us over on his shoulder just to say he dug the tombs. Then he let me off with a warning. We was on our way. 45 in the 50 till I hit the highway. Been about it. Glory to the father. I don't do the drama. I went vegan for the weekend. Now I'm back to beef and broccoli. Sipping sake. Practice wabi sabi. I don't need a thotty. My girl got that body yachty. When we walk inside a party, they like, OMG, no, it's been a man. Tell me where you been, huh? Been about it. Hey. A lot of 90 hip hop references in that one. If you've seen the video, uh, it kind of like makes a little bit more sense. Yeah. Uh, but Andy Minio, look at him. Gotta stop watching it. <laughs> no, I see. Uh, what is that? Is is that one the Chronic right there with Dre? Was yeah, that the it? Chronic. And then. Uh, and then I recognize the Eminem show cover, the uh, Kanye's college dropout. Yep. They had uh, DMX in there. DMX. 50 yeah. Cent. 50 Cent. In Easy the club. E. Yeah. Uh, uh, stank on you. Uh, mm-hmm. Outcast. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> A lot of them. I enjoyed it. It kind of threw me back to some of my younger days. And uh, so. Uh, so are they, are they shooting shots or what? I mean, what? No, I just think it was, they're just. You know, giving their their whatever to the people. More like that, shout outs. Yeah, shout outs yeah. to the people that came before tipping, them. Tipping their hats. Yeah, yeah. so. 
And then uh, Andy Minio is like super creative, you know, and he he always does stuff like that. And you can play that back over and over again and just listen to the lyrics and kind of start getting a lot of stuff well, we missed. From, from a production standpoint, it's really cool how they put them 808s and those cowbells, mm-hmm. electronic things to yeah. communicate the uh, the era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And then uh, Andy, he does a lot of his own production too, so um, he'll do like 80% of it and then send it off to somebody and they'll, they'll refine it and yeah, yeah. mix it and, st- and stuff mm-hmm. like that. All right. Well, you know, we uh, earlier in the week I got to uh, stop in and, and talk to Brother Jimmy. Uh, so y'all sit back and relax and listen to this uh, interview we had with him. All right, Brother Jimmy. Uh, thanks for stopping by with us today. What's going on? Man, it's all good. Uh, I know you're one of our loyal listeners, been listening since the very beginning, you and your family. Man, I appreciate y'all with yeah. all the support, man. Hey, since the jump, been listening to y'all. Yeah, yeah. Well, again, I just want to talk to you, man. Uh, I know that you have an interesting background, and uh, you're doing a lot of good things in the in the streets of Houston, and uh, all from from Houston to Miami to wherever, wherever the Lord take you, man. You're out there in them streets and uh, yep. uh, ministering the Word of God to whoever and whenever. So, uh, give us a little bit a little bit about your background, where you grew up in, uh, you know, how you grew up, and um, then we'll just go from there all right um i grew up on the southeast side of houston i uh, went to milby high school went to dd middle school uh that's just my areas that i grew up in anywhere down belford and broadway south park mlk and sunnyside anywhere um i grew up in a i grew up catholic you know, like basically every Mexican. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so did you like like attend the Catholic Church, or that was just kind of the the roots of the house? Uh, it was the roots of the house. Every now and then we went. Even as I got older, I would still go every now and then because of Easter, right, right, Christmas stuff like that. But I mean, never really practiced it. It was, and the crazy thing is, I did my first communion. I did my confirmation. Okay. I did everything oh, that wow. you were supposed to do. Yeah. But it was, yeah. I just didn't feel it. Yeah, so let me ask you this. So after you you went from being Catholic and then now you're non-denominational, how long did it take you from not doing the whole cross thing with your hands and all that? Well, honestly, I didn't even do it. The only time I did it was when I was in church when I went with my parents. Other than that, it's... I guess, I don't know, I guess it's a Catholic thing. Every time we would drive by the church, we would always do the sign of the cross. Right, but I mean. Right. I had, I never even really did it half the time. Everybody was, I see everybody do it, and I was not crazy. I didn't do that, nah. <laughs> yeah, I, I noticed like uh, we have a lot of uh, I guess ex Catholics or people that grow up in the Catholic Church here at our church here at Elam Church, and um, you'll see them still. You yep. know, they'll walk in the sanctuary and they'll do the sign of the cross, or they're kneel down and they're still doing it because it's you know it's that uh, thing that was been with them since a child. Yeah, it's that religion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. that's exactly what it is. That's exactly what it is. All right, so you grew up on that that side of town. Um, you grew up with a, a mother and the father, both in the home. Uh, I had both of my parents, mother and father. Um, father was an alcoholic, yeah, big time alcoholic. He used to beat the brakes off of us just because he was mad at the world. So he'd come home, take it out on us. Um, that's. That's how it was with my house. In my house, we got beat every day, just, just for, just because my parents, at least because my dad was mad at everybody. My mom was, man, it's a loving woman right there. Yeah, it's, it's true what they say: the prayers of a mother. 
Because that woman prayed for me a lot, a lot. I mean, my life started getting crazy. I was nine, nine years old. My brother got murdered in the streets. My brother was 19. It was a hit and run. Wow. They hit him. The when they hit when the car hit him, the hood ornament left a hole in his skull. Wow. He stayed underneath the whole car. They dragged him down a whole block, reversed, and ran over his body again. Um, after that, I was mad. I gave up on God. I gave up on everybody, on on everything, because my whole thing was everybody told me God loves you. God wants the best for you. And for me, it was like my brother was, uh, that was my father figure. Right. He was the one that took care of me. He's the one that put me in check when I needed it. When I needed to get in trouble, he was the one that was disciplining me. Not a physical way, but in a verbal way. Just not not nothing bad. He was the one that was trying to keep me in line, right? And um, I was mad because when he died, I felt like the honest truth. I'm gonna be honest with everybody. I mean, when the day he the day I found out he died, I was mad because I was like, God, you should have taken my dad. <laughs> wow, that's the way I felt because. My father was there. That's why when a lot of people tell me, oh, well, you had a father. You still have one. Having a father isn't isn't all what it seems to be all the time. Like, there was a lot of times I wish I didn't have a father. I wish that I was like my friends that their dad wasn't around, like their dad left. I wish my dad would have left us. I mean, I had a—it was just crazy. It was crazy growing up. So, I mean, after that happened— Six months later, my grandfather passed away. Six months later after that, my godfather passed away, and I really gave up on everything and everybody. Right. From there, I just... Just a season of loss, huh? Just yeah. Just lose a lot of people that you respected and... Uh, just people that I really loved and loved. I cared for. It's really the people that were there trying to keep me in line, trying to keep me straight. Those are the ones that were that were passing away, and I was mad, and I was wondering Why? And you're just a young kid at this point, right? You're like, like oh, yeah. nine, ten, eleven years old, yeah. Um, and just kind of really lost in, in in the world. Yeah, I was lost because when my brother got murdered, I, I took that hard. A buddy of mine, when he was a kid, his father passed away. So then his mom, they put her on um, prescription pills. They put her on Xanax and. He came up to me one day and he's like, hey, look, these are working for my mom. She's not tripping no more. She's she's actually talking and hanging out with us. So try them. I'm like, okay, it came from a doctor. So it's At working nine? for her. Yeah. Wow. And that's where my addiction with Xanax started. By the time I knew it, I was lost. I was lost up in there. Popping pills, smoking weed, drinking, hanging around with. All, all the guys from the, all the gang members and all the drug dealers from the neighborhood um, started selling dope. I started doing kick doors for dope. And I just, I got lost real bad. And on my 13th birthday, I remember my mom waking me up. I just got done telling Brother Calvin this a little earlier today, too. I remember my mom walked in crying, and I'm like, what you crying for, Mom? She's like, nah, I'm just happy you're alive. Wow. Like, what? At 13. Yeah. <laughs> At 13, and she's like, I've been praying for you to go to jail. I'm like, why? She's like, because I feel you'll live longer in in jail than what you will in these streets. Yeah, my mom prayed the same prayer, bro. Hey, you about to get me crying because hey. I, I, I understand the struggle, you know? Yeah, I mean, the crazy thing is, is that 
After she tells me that, a few months later, I get locked up. Oh, yeah. I get locked up. Me I, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I got I got trials. Except as an I wasn't adult. 13, you know, I was like 19, 20, you know, nah. so. I mean, I got trials as an adult when I was 13. Wow. There's a big old fight that broke out. They they tried to catch me with an attempted murder case. Came back as self defense, but four years of me being incarcerated, I was going through trial and everything else, and it came back as self defense. I was let out. But I still lost. I still lost some years. Right. So this know? this was a. Uh, so how long of a span from nine to how old were you? Was you in this like life of conflict and, and drugs and alcohol? And- oh, that happened all the way until I was until I gave my life to the Lord. Honestly, mm-hmm. I was like, mm, I want to say maybe. 31, wow. 31, 32 years old when I gave my life to the Lord. So 20, 20 plus years. Oh, yeah. I was I was out of line. I was out there. I was verbally, physically, mentally abusive to people. I didn't, I, I couldn't care about no one and I didn't love no one because I didn't love or care about myself. Right. I was trying to, I was trying to find a way for me to die because of the things that I've done in the streets, people that I've hurt and just the type of person I was. I was. I got so bad on Xanax. I would wake up in the morning. I get my pill bottle and I throw five pills in my hand and I throw them straight to the back. Wow! Just throw them in the back of my mouth as soon as I wake up. Yeah. So I remember uh, talking to you some time ago, and then in, you tell me that there's like years of time oh, yeah. that's gone past that you don't even remember because you've been you were strung out on on the pills and, and yeah. drugs. So it's like. Years of your life that are a blur. A year, I want to say maybe like a year and a it's like a year and a half that I don't remember. I don't remember moving off of Belford and Broadway to South Houston. We did a whole year's lease and we're on, we did another, we we did a year lease. We signed for another year. We're already on the half a year on the new lease. When I finally caught my snap, I didn't know what was going on. I was mad. I was like, what are we doing over here? My wife didn't know what to do. And I, all I know from there is just stories from what everybody tells me. Remember things that they seen me do and all kinds of stuff. Like it was, I was in a bad place. I wasn't, I was really, really, really lost. I don't, I was out there. <laughs> so what was the breaking point? What, what, what happened? What shook your life up? What did, what did God do to, and, and I know it wasn't one of those, um, snap of the fingers and everything oh, nah. was uh, great you know i know that you struggled and kind of went back and forth a little bit so what did that, what did that process look like when um you know people in your life or god came in and just began to shake you a little bit and just um you know trying to start to started the, the 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 point where you started trying to come out of that lifestyle well see what it was is um a buddy of mine he's the one who got me to come up over here to this church um his name is Cesar Galindo. He first started getting me to come up over here. He would come and pick me up. I'd be all messed up off of pills and drunk and high. And he would bring me over here on Tuesdays when there, whenever whenever we would do the the Tuesday fellowship for the men. Mm-hmm. He would bring me over here every now and then. He'd bring me on a Friday night crux. And then from there, I just I felt something, but I didn't know what it was. I didn't I, I didn't know how to how to accept the feeling that I had. So I got scared and I ran back to the streets and I cut ties with a lot of people 
And then another buddy of mine named Lalo, um, Lalo Zarate, man, that's my bro right there. He's just my ride or die. He's been there for me since the jump. I've known him since elementary. And the reason why I cut for him so much is that he went out there to the trap house looking for me. He went out there to all the dope fiends that I was selling dope to, and he would tell them, hey, man, where's Jimmy? Where's Jimmy? And they would tell him, and he'd go look for me, and I'd pop five, ten pills all at once because I wasn't going to come to church. And then he'd be like, okay, well, I'll give you about 15 minutes, some pills to kick in. You ain't going to fight. You ain't going to argue. you just going to go with the flow. I said, all right. And I did. And for four years, honestly, four years, I was coming on a Friday night crux with Pastor Adonofu. I was going over there for four years, in and out, in and out. And it wasn't nothing straight. It was a few months here. Then I'd burn off for another few months, come back for another few weeks, then burn off for another few weeks. It's in and out, in and out for four years. So at this time when you're in and out, are you trying to get sober or you're just like there? You, there's something that's pulling you towards the church, but you're still done, not for sure what it is. yet. Yeah. But you're still not ready to give up the street life. Or? I wasn't ready to give up the street life. Yeah. I, I I lived that life up in the streets for so many years. I mean, since the age of nine, I've been I've been hustling and doing all kinds of stuff on these streets. And I just see growing up as a kid, they would always tell you, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? And the honest truth, I wanted to be like a, a, a cop or an FBI agent. That's what I was wanting to be. But as I got older, all those dreams that they tell you, they ended up telling me, hey, well, you know what? You can't be a cop. Why not? Because your dad's an alcoholic, all your uncles are in prison, wow. your mom does this, your mom does that. That's what you're going to be. You're going to be whatever your your family tells you or shows you. That's what you're going to be. And the honest truth, man, that broke my heart. I was like, man, y'all filling my head with all these dreams, and y'all now y'all trying to tell me that it's a whole it's a whole bunch of lies. Yeah. Like, I can't do what y'all tell me, what y'all tell me that to set my dreams for, I can't do it. It's never going to be accomplished, so... I'm going to be a drug dealer and I'm going to be an alcoholic and I'm going to be an abusive father and I'm going to be an abusive husband. I'm going to be all this that my parents, that my father was and that my uncles are. Well, I'm going to be the best of it. You know, I'm going to do it to the fullest. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things like um, when I finally got my head straight and I finally just like made my separations from the streets was that the thing about being on the streets is – Everything you got to be real. Everything yeah. uh, you know is real. They lied to you about what is real. Yeah, you know it's one of the things. If you can't be real, you can't be on the streets. But everything the streets promoted is fake. It's fake. It's fake. Yeah, and then so that was the, like the eye-opening thing for me is they lied to you saying that you can't accomplish the thing, your dreams and all those things. Well, they're the ones being fake. Yeah, they're the ones in pain. They're the ones that are suffering. They're the ones that are. Um, that's going through things, and I think that's what's beautiful about your testimony is eventually you get there, you yeah. know, and then and now you're going back. So before we get to that that piece, and now at this time you got what four or five kids? Uh, no, at that time I already had six kids. Six kids. I got six kids. I I'm a grandfather already. I got two grandkids. Come on, me too. My oldest is 23, and my youngest is 11. I got I got a lot of kids. Yeah. 
That's beautiful, man. Uh, at, at the time, it ain't so beautiful when you try to figure out life. Oh, but yeah. now when you're sitting back and you have all these kids around you, man, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, so now you just kind of play in church, in and out. People, yep. people are cut for you. Uh, Lalo, what a tremendous man of God. Yes, he uh, is. He never gave up on you. Kind of like your mom, she never gave up, uh, gave up on you. Lalo never gave up on you. So what was the thing? What was the trigger that finally says, we ain't playing no more? Well, what triggered it was that um, me and my wife, we've been together now going on 19 years. Yeah, 19 years, me and my wife, we've been together. We've been married seven, but we've been together 19 going on 20 years. We're at a point to where we're ready just to separate, mainly because of me. That's all it really was because yeah. of me. is just, I mean, I, I didn't know how to be a husband. I didn't know how to be a father. I didn't know how to be none of this. I did what the streets taught me, and the streets taught me how to cheat. So I would cheat on my wife, and eventually she got tired of it. So we're at the verge of separating my, I had twin girls at the time. Because living with me at the time, I only had three kids living with me. My three oldest, my three oldest kids, I got two in San Antonio, one out there in Yoakum, Texas. And then I got three that living with me. Well, my twin girls were living with my, were living with my mother and father. My son was living with me and my wife, but we're in the verge of separating, so I knew that they were going to leave, and I ended up getting addicted to that um, synthetic marijuana, that mm. kush. Yeah, terrible stuff. I, it tore me up. It tore me up. It's, I realized how bad it was when the people that I used to sell crack to stopped smoking crack and started smoking that. Wow. And then I was like, whoa. Yeah, something's wrong. <laughs> never thought she was gonna be a crackhead. Yeah, though, for right? real. I never the, thought I would. Yeah. I never. I, I never thought I'd put myself in that category. Right. But yeah, I was up in there. Yeah, I was up in there because I'm talking about. I would do mission trips. I'd take two hour walks mm. just to go get some of that. Mm-hmm. To go back to go sell it. To get the money and go walking right back wow. another two hours to go buy more for me. Yeah, I was a dolphin. Just the lies of the enemy, man. Yeah, yeah. but. What happened was that I wanted my family back. I didn't know what to do. And, you know, again, keep in mind, I, I gave up on God when I was nine. When my brother got murdered, I gave up on God. Everything was all up on me. I didn't I didn't want nothing to do with the devil. I didn't want nothing to do with God. I didn't want nothing to do with nobody. Everything was all, I, I put everything on me. I finally called out to God. Yeah. And I said, look, God, <laughs> if you're the loving man that everybody says you are, if you love me the way the way everybody tells me you love me, if you want the best for me, I want my family. Mm. I want my kids back. I want my wife back. I, I'm not perfect. I, I just want my family. If you give me my family back, man, and this is exactly the way I, exactly the way I told God. I was like, look, kept it real for the streets, and we say that we keep it real. We keep it 100. I never put a, put out a wolf ticket for anybody. Mm. What I said is what I was going to do. And I told God, look, man, you give me my family back. I'll learn. I'll, I'll start going to church. I'll start doing everything that I need to do to try to understand you even more, to understand the reasons why you love me so much. And sure enough, two weeks later, my parents call me and they like, hey, look, man, these girls are getting bigger. They need a father. 
Wow. They don't need a grandmother and they don't need the grandfather. Wow. They need a father. Yeah. And my whole life, me and my father, we ain't never really seen eye to eye. We'd always bump heads. It was real bad. It was real bad for us. And for my father to call me and tell me, hey, you need to come home and you need to take care of these kids, that that shook me a lot because my dad's not that type of person. So I went back home. Wow. Me and my wife, we went back to my parents' house. And then I'm like, okay, well, God, this is just a coincidence. Next thing you know, two weeks later, I get a job. How I passed the drug test, I don't know because I was smoking on the way going to go take my drug test. I was wow. popping pills on the way going to go take my drug test. Passed. Everything came back fine. So I started working. As soon as I, as soon as I, I got the drug test back, my boy Lalo calls me. And he's like, hey, I heard what you hear. He's like, I heard you're back at your parents' house. I'm like, man, word travels fast. He's like, yeah. He's like, so when you come to church? I don't know, bro. I go, I gotta, I gotta see. You. When's the next day? He was like, "It's your luck. Today's Friday. Let's go." I'm like, "Oh, okay." So we went. Me and my wife went, and we took the kids. And it's just, I really felt the presence of God, and something was, something inside of me was telling me, "You need to change, and you need to make the change now, because this is not gonna be forever." One of these days, you're gonna you're gonna end up knocking on God's door, and ain't nobody gonna answer. It's gonna be too late for you. And I told my wife, "Look, I want to make a change." And I told her, "Like you, you ride and died with me for for years. She's and she's been there for me." And I was like, you "Did that when we're doing bad? I want to do good. Let's let's do this." And she stuck it out. That's awesome. Shout out to Crux, man, because, you know, there's there's a lot of ministries out there that could have just said, nah, man, you're high. You're struggling with these, these this, this stuff. Don't come around here until you get sober. Um, and I know it's it's a, it's a fine balance sometimes yeah. when you're trying to run a ministry and you, you can't have crackheads hanging around. Yeah. But at the same time, we got to minister to them. And, and uh, shout out to Pastor Anufo and Crux and Lalo and all those guys, especially back in the day when you was coming up. They, they did some, and they still do an amazing ministry. Yeah. But, um, just like the product, like you, that came out of that ministry. And yeah. there's many more. Uh, there's many more like you. Um, uh, so I just, it's an inspiration. It's an inspiration. So what's the relationship now between you and your parents? Well, my family really don't talk to me that much because yeah. I'm the first Christian in the family. Okay. They, they're still a little upset that I got rebaptized and right. I did everything. And But I mean, we talk, we yeah. talk, we're not. We're not how I would love it to be, right? But as long as we're talking and they know I'm, they know I'm fine. Everything's good. We're good. That's we're good. good. That's good. Um, so time went past, man. Then you really started to get into uh, uh, in ministry and helping out. You was a big part of Crooks. You oh, know, yeah. you was a huge part of what they were doing over there and all the outreaches and different things like that. And there was a time that you got called to to, to kind of like do your own thing, right? And, yeah. And then you started some street ministries, or you and then you joined uh, some other ministries. And tell us a little bit about um, that process of going out and. and kind of starting some street ministries and then kind of what you're doing now. All right. Um, yeah, when God called me to go back to the streets, uh, first thing I told God was, God, you're tripping. <laughs> Why are you going to put me back out here in these streets? The drugs are out there. The women's are out here. The gangs are out here. All the stuff that I don't want is out here, and you're going to put me back out there. 
I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that at the time, but I argued with God. I'm going to be honest. I argued with God for a while. And then finally, I just like, man, I'm tired of arguing. Keep telling me I'm going to go do it. Didn't know what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. I just, just trying to be obedient. The first outreach that I, I actually got a part of that they told me to help out with ended up being in my old neighborhood. And the guy that was supposed to speak and give his testimony canceled. All at the last minute, just canceled. So the brother that put the outreach together, he's like, hey, bro, this is your hood. Yeah, this is my hood. Like, I, man, I, I'm getting scared. Wow. Because there's just a lot of stuff happened there. He's like, man, speak to them, man. God's, God's telling me to tell you to speak. I spoke. Ever since then, man, I've been going at it hard, going on seven years. Wow. Seven years doing street ministry, going anywhere, wherever, don't make no difference. The neighborhoods that you... Put your foot on that pedal and you smash that gas and you're going 80 to try to get through it. Those are the neighborhoods that I get out of my car and I walk. I ain't trying to run past nobody. I'm trying to go out there and go minister the word of God because I wish I had this growing up. I wish I had people going out there telling me you can change and this and that. I had a lot of people telling me I was going to hell because I was still smoking and I was doing this. I was doing all kinds of stuff. And so I was like, man, if I'm going to go to hell, I'm going to make the best of it. I didn't have nobody telling me different, telling me that that you can change. I didn't have nobody telling me, oh, well, I'm here to help you. So I get with a group of guys and a group of sisters, we brothers and sisters. We go out there and we hit these streets and we go anywhere and everywhere. We've been to Miami. We've been to San Antonio. Been to Dallas. We've been to a few places. Louisiana. Louisiana. Man, we, we, we go everywhere, anywhere where, where the gospel's needed. Man, I'm always down to go. The way I tell everybody, man, if it's God's will, then it's God's bill. Yeah. I'm going to go out and we're going to go handle what needs to go get handled. I mean, I did all kinds of crazy stuff in the streets. I wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid to get shot. I got shot at. I've, I've been stabbed. I, I lived that life. And as far as I'm concerned, if God's going to send me back to the same streets and I might get put in the same position that I was in when I was living for the world, now it's different because I'm living for the Lord. I'm at peace now. I'm at I'm at peace in, in everything that it is that I, that God has me doing. I mean, I know a lot of people say, you know, oh, you don't want to die. You don't want to. No, honest truth, I don't want to die. But am I ready? I don't think anybody's ever ready to die. But I'm at peace yeah. with with where God wants to send me at. Whatever happens. I'm at peace with it. I mean, because as a, I feel as a believer, our whole mission, our whole goal is to make it up there to heaven. Yeah. And I mean, I know death is, death hurts. But as a believer, as a believer in Christ, as a Christian, man, heaven is, heaven is my goal. Yeah. Heaven is my goal. And if God sends me out on a mission and, you know, God forbid anything bad happens to me. But if it's God's will, then it's God's bill. Yeah. And I think it's, it's super important that um, uh, guys like you that can go back to the streets uh, that look like them, that yeah. talk like them, that they, they can relate to, that they can look at you and, and they're looking at themselves. And instead of hearing those lies that tell them that they can't 
be a police officer, they yeah. can't be an accountant, that they can't be a, a school teacher, that you are able to go there and they can look themselves in the mirror and say, you can be who who you, God has called you to be. Yes. You can be uh, the, the dreams that you dreamed when you was in elementary. You can. Exactly. And it, it comes when it comes from people like you that they can identify with, it's, just, it's so much easier than you take a, a white pastor out of the pulpit and send him to the hood and, and let them tell him. I'm not saying that God can't use them, yeah. but it comes a whole lot better when they look at you and they have some of the same tattoos that you yeah. have and the same vernacular that you have, and you're able to minister. And, and it ain't easy. Like we're talking about real street, real, real oh, yeah. street guys and, and real hoods. You was telling me that one time you was in Miami and why y'all was ministering. Like they, they pop a pistol to my head. Yeah, they they they, they pull out guns and stuff and saying the things that you you you're doing it ain't needed here. Uh, this is real ministry. Oh yeah, this is real. I mean, like even if y'all, if anybody up on here wants to look up Dade County in Miami, look up Dade County, look up Opalacas, look up Pork and Beans Projects. I mean, I can sit here and tell everybody everything what I know, but look it up on YouTube. You, you you'll see it. You see it for what it is. I mean, you listen to secular rap from from Florida, and this is the neighborhoods that they're talking about. Oh yeah, this is the neighborhoods they're talking about. I think it's um, I think it's a, another forty eight or something. It's a, it's that that homicide show that that comes on. Right, first forty eight. Yeah, first forty eight. That where I go to when I go to Miami is Dade County. That's the areas that we're at is maybe five minutes walking from where the homicide show is that they do out up over there in Day County. Right. Like Opalacas and Pork and Beans, man, the cops won't even go in there. They're shooting. The cops will drive up and they'll wait. Yeah. They wait 30 minutes until after the shooting stops. Then they'll decide to go up in. Right. Like a lot of the places I go to, I'm not not boasting on me. Not boasting at me at, at all. It's, it's just boasting on where God, where God sends us and the people that he sends to us. Everything is just boasting on God. Like, and God takes care of us, and we don't even realize how much He takes care of us. We don't we don't understand the reasons why He opens up the doors or anything. And like when I went to Miami, they put a pistol out up on my head, and old boy was like, "Man, he was why shouldn't I shoot you?" I'm like, well, "If you wanted to shoot me, you would have shot me. You wouldn't have asked me a question. So you would have done it." So I kept ministering. Puts the gun down. He walks away and like, "Man, you a crazy Christian." And left me there, and I'm like, "Okay." I ended up speaking at the end of the outreach. The dude's at the corner, at, at the across the street at the store, and he's listening. And all of a sudden, he comes by, and we do altar call. He comes by, same pistol he put to my dome, put on the floor. All of his dope, he put it up on the floor. Oh. And I told him, I'm like, look, this whole time I've been wondering, God, why'd you send me over here to Miami? This dude put a pistol out up on my head. I could have had this done over here down the street from where I stay. You know, why you got to bring me over here to Miami? And... God revealed to me. I went over there just for that one person. That one you know, a lot of yeah. people, they want to go out and they want to do things and they want to. Yes, we all want to impact a lot of people. But a lot of times it's not about everybody. It's just about that one person. It's about reaching that one soul. And yes, we want to reach everybody. Everybody does. But sometimes we need to see past everybody and just start seeing that one, that one, that one. Yeah. You know, the word says, you know, Christ left the 99 for that one. Yeah. And then as as Christians and people that run ministries, sometimes we get so caught up on numbers, right? Mm. Oh, man, we got we got 150 people coming on ministry tonight. Um, 
But the thing about it is you spent your own money yeah. getting down to Miami for one young man that you probably changed his life forever. Even if he went back to the streets, he still has that seed. Oh, he still goes to church. Yeah. It's been amazing. about, what, five years. It's been about five years when, when that happened. He's in and out of church, but I mean, for the most, from what they tell me, is that every Sunday he's at church. That's beautiful. He's at church every Sunday. He's still, he's still hustling. He's still doing. He's still a little rough around the edges, but you know, God's working on him. You know, and that's the thing. You know, we expect people to, when we minister to him, we expect people to change overnight. Yeah. And a lot of times we 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 just had to we got to understand. You know, it, it's all up on God's timing. Yes, I want everybody to change. I really do. But I know it's not going to happen overnight sometimes. It's like I tell people, look, God can do it. He can change you overnight. But what are you going to learn? Mm-hmm. What's what's the lesson that you're going to learn? You know, everybody says they take L's. They take losses. All my L's that I take, they ain't losses. They lessons. Mm-hmm. I, I, I learn off Come of on. them. And I try. I, I, I learn off of my lessons. And I try to give that back to my kids. And I try to give that back to the community. We try to go back to the streets and we try to let them know. You know, that's that's why I tell people it's, it's man, your testimony is very, very powerful. Yeah. Everybody has a, has a powerful testimony. Don't ever be afraid to speak your testimony. And that's why the word said is by the words of your testimony. You know, you may not know scriptures. Give your testimony. Give your testimony. Let people know where you were. What you were doing and where God pulled you out of and what God's doing up in your life, man, that'll impact somebody more than what you think. Right. I think one of the, the, the beautiful things is, I mean, and you're still doing that stuff here. It's not just in Miami or Dallas or whatever. You know, you're still going several times a month out here on these streets and going feeding the homeless and taking yeah. care packages. And I remember one time I asked him, I'm like, man, like, how y'all doing this? And he you like, with our own money, yeah. you know, you you don't have this like big ministry behind you, like funding everything, and um, so it's not like Jimmy works for the church here in Elam, and uh, he he's not getting rich. Nah, we're not paying him so much he can retire when he's fifty, you know. But he's taking that little bit of money that God has uh, blessed him with here at the church, and he and he's you know putting back in the streets, giving these um, these uh, homeless guys. Not homeless. What is it now? Less fortunate. Less fortunate guys yeah. that they're out there on them streets. He's he's taking them, you know, hygiene products and and, and the ladies' hygiene products and, and going out there and minister to them and and getting teams together that go go out yeah. there uh, with own, his own time and his own money. Yeah, well, I mean the only thing, man, I'm I'm just blessed. I'm very blessed that God's blessed us with a a group of brothers and sisters that that are like minded. You know, I know not I know not everybody's. Not everybody can go to the streets and go minister out up over there. I understand that, but God's blessed me with a with a lot of brothers and sisters that are like minded, and we also into the ministry. You know, it's the fourth Saturday of every month. We're over here in downtown, downtown in Houston, Texas, and um, we do church in the streets from ten o'clock in the morning to twelve o'clock in the afternoon. We it's church. What goes on in the church house? goes on out there in the streets we have praise and worship we have someone giving a word we have a few testimonies once everything's done we do altar call altar calls done then we feed them after we feed them food we go ahead and we give them clothes we give them hygiene packs we we do all kinds of stuff it's crazy because we're maybe like four or five blocks away from the county jail out there in downtown 
the cops, as they're taking people in and they see us out there, they'll stop. And they'll be like, hey, can we get this dude something to eat? Can y'all pray for him? Yeah, that's cool. We'll, we'll wow. give him something to eat. We'll pray for him. Before they take him to jail. Yeah, before they take him to jail. Wow. And there's times when they're releasing them. Some of them don't have a ride, so the cops will take them to one of the transit centers or the metro rail or something. And they'll stop by us. They'll pray for us. I mean, we'll, we'll pray for them and everything else. There's times cops will let us pray for them as well. Wow. And it's just amazing. It's amazing. Like, everything that's that's happening is something that I never imagined. Yeah. And, and, and the relationships you're building, like, when you go out there, you, you're starting to build a relationship with these guys. Oh, you know? yeah. And we... And, and I know, especially times like this, the, the the less fortunate are out there, and it's becoming more and more. And they're uh, they're stacking up under all the bridges and in a lot of the nice parts of town, and they're becoming a nuisance to you know certain people. And we don't want them in our communities and different things like that. And and that's an issue across the board of the way we're running our communities um, from a from the government side. Yeah. Um, but. You're going out there, and it's not like some of these people. Some of them are new every week, but some of them are the same guys that you're building relationships oh, to yeah. that you can sit on the bucket next to them and, and, and speak into their lives, and now they trust you, and, and they're allowing you to speak in their lives. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these guys, I, I give them my phone number. I mean, it's, it's like I tell everybody, yes, we have to build our relationship with God. You know, that's very, very important. Not only reading, just build your relationship with God, speak to God. But as God puts places, people up in your life, you have to build a relationship with them as well. And, you know, you got to remember one thing. Apostle Paul says in order to be a Jew, I had to become a Jew. In order to be a Gentile, I had to become a Gentile. He put himself in a position to where he can understand the reasons why people act, do the things that they do, the way they say, the reasons why they say the things that they do. He had to understand them in, in order for him to learn how to witness to them. So we put in our we put ourselves in a position where... Well, we're right there with them. If they're sitting on the floor, we're sitting on the floor with them. Mm. If they're eating, we're eating with them. Yeah. You know, whatever it is that they're doing, we put ourselves in a, in a position to where they feel like, okay, well, they don't think they're better than us. Because at one point in my life, I remember being homeless. I remember being on park benches. I remember living underneath 225, underneath the freeway. I remember when people walking over me, spitting on the floor right next to me, treating me worse. You know, treating me like a piece of trash, like if I wasn't nothing. So I just go back and I go, I go back and I go get back to the community. I know what it's like being in them positions, and I want them to know, like, hey, I'm not, I'm not the other people that come by here and that treat you like this. I don't, I, I could care less about that. I, I want to build a relationship with you. I want to know who you are. That way, when God puts you up in my heart, I know what to pray for on you. Yes, yeah, good. I don't have to call you and be like, "Hey, God put me on. God put you on my heart. What do you? What, what's going on?" I'm like, no, I I know issues that this brother's going through. So, okay, God, you put him on my heart. Well, I know these issues, so I'm gonna pray for these issues that I know of. And that's really it. I mean, we just we go back to the community and we just get back. You know, like with the home, we don't call them homeless. We call them less fortunate. Right. And I tell them, look, homeless, you, you keep that title. You're giving yourself a title. A lot of people want that want a title. And when you start titling somebody homeless, they start living it. They start acting it. I tell them you're less fortunate. Right now you're going through an issue. You got something going on where well, we're trying we're trying to get here with you and we're trying to help you out of this situation. So right now they're just less fortunate. Yeah, yeah. Um, not only that, but you lead a, a weekly Bible study. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> was, was, was on top of everything else, right? And yeah. a full time job. Uh, we got this weekly Bible study that you got some uh, some uh, men around. Some of them church, some of them not church. Some oh, of yeah. them uh, uh, on their way to being a better man. Some of them they still struggling, you know. Oh yeah, um, some of them they're out there. <laughs> and uh, and you take your time out every week to to have a Bible study with them. Yeah. Um, and I and I. And I pulled you in in the office one day because I hear you start your day off. Uh, what is the app that you use? Um, it's an app called Marco Polo. Marco Polo. And then he gets on there every day and, and he gives these guys a little bit of a word. Yeah. And uh, and they, so they're, they're able to come, go back and record their thing. And, and it's an inspiration for me, bro, um, to... To hear these these men uh, reporting back to you, you holding them accountable, and if they're not, if they if they ain't coming back, like you calling them <laughs> up and say, "Hey, bro, what's up? You know, you need to get back on here." You're holding them accountable yeah. uh, for the things that they do, and 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 the great part about it is uh, that relationship you're building. So when they are down on their luck, when they are struggling through um, certain things that. You're there for them and praying for them. Oh, and yeah. leave. We're all there for each other, you know. And that's what I tell people. It's it's once you get to know who people are. One thing that that I keep that's real hard that I keep real hard on is accountability. If you tell me you want that accountability, oh, you better watch yourself when you come and tell me that because I'm a, I'm 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 gonna give you some accountability. Right. You know, a lot of people they say they want it. But being real, they don't want it. They just they say it just to make you feel better. Be like, oh yeah, I'm doing something. Yeah, he wants accountability. But in reality, he's like, bro, I don't want no accountability. I'm just telling you that just so you can be quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not with me. <laughs> you tell me you want accountability. I'm gonna I'm give you some accountability. I'm gonna check up on you. And there's times, man, with Pastor Adonufo and Crooks, man. We used to do it all the time, and we still do it. We go kick dough Jesus. Yeah. Go Roll up on somebody and say, yep. where you been? Yep. Yeah. I mean, Pastor Arnulfo's done it to me before. Yeah. You know, he's done Lalo's it Lalo's done it to you much. Lalo's yeah. done it to me a lot, and he's catched me in some of the worst positions I've ever been in. Yeah. Like, I'm all peeled out and That's all That's what we drooling. need, though, man. We need those we men. Need yeah. You know, it's it's like I tell people, It's I know it's hard. To go speak to someone whenever they're messed up and everything else, but once they sober up, it'll come back to them and they'll be like, Man, this dude was here. Like, why is he here? Why does he care? My homeboys don't care. Why why is it that he's the one that cares? Because this dude got God up in his got God up in his life. Yeah. He's trying to change. He's trying to change everybody. He wants to minister the word of God. And me, I'll minister to anyone. I don't care who you are. You could be five years old. Yeah. I'm going to speak to you about God. <laughs> That's, awesome. That's awesome, man. I appreciate you coming by. I appreciate you sharing your testimony and the things that you're doing. Um, before we leave, if there's somebody out there that's maybe went through some of the things that you've been through in your life or, or, or they're trying to come out the other side, just speak to a, a young man or, or, or a man right now that's dealing with some things right now uh, and just, just let them know what God has on your heart. Man. The honest truth, do what you need to do. Do what you need to do in order to get, you know, let me see, how can I say this? Just really pay attention to God. Clear your mind. Focus. Just know you're not the only one going in the situations that you're in right now. There's people that are in the same situation. There's people that are in a worse situation. 
You know, there's the book of Ecclesiastes says, you know, I call it the book of time because it says there's a time for this, there's a time for that, there's a time for everything. But it, it, the book of Ecclesiastes always says there's nothing new underneath the sun. Nothing new underneath the sun. You're not the only one going through this. It's just you were taught different. You were taught the wrong way. So like we said earlier, you were lied to. The streets lied to you. The people that were living the life in the streets, they lied to you. Life doesn't have to be that way. Just call on to God. Keep a relationship with God. Open up your Bible. Read your word. Go speak to someone on God. Try to figure out everything you can on God. And trust me, God will never lead you wrong. He'll never guide you wrong. God God will do what he needs to do to you. And if you feel you get to that day and you're like, God, why is this happening? Why don't you ask God, why not? Why shouldn't this happen? Sometimes a lot of us need something drastic to happen up in our lives in order for us to change. I had to lose my kids. I almost lost my wife. I almost lost my whole family. And honest truth, I almost died. I was trying to overdose. And God had me here and I was mad. And I was like, God, why you got me here? I want to die. I want to die. God has another plan for you. He had a plan for me. And just be obedient to what God's called you to do. Let everybody help take advice from as many people as you can. Like a brother told me, man, sometimes you got to eat the meat and you got to spit out the bones. And not everything everybody's going to tell you is what you need to hear. Pray about it. Let God lead you. Let God guide you. And everything will be gravy. Everything will be good for you. I mean, you, yeah, you'll go through problems. The only difference now between me and the problems that I go through now and what I used to go through, I'm at peace. I'm at peace. I'm happy. I, I know God God has a plan, and I'm just trying to learn off my mistakes and do better. That's awesome. That's awesome. Like they always say, without a test, there's no testimony. testimony. You know? So, man, I appreciate you coming by today. Thank you very much. Your inspiration to me and a whole lot of other people. And uh, so I just appreciate you and your life, man. All right. We'll see you next time. And we love you. Yeah. <laughs> this is The Refuge Project.